JT here. Welcome to the huddle. The huddle, for those joining us for the first time, is where I sit down with successful people from the world of sport and coaching. Why? So we can learn more about their journey to greatness. And what's the intention for you? It's because success always leaves clues. So I want to take a moment just to send a massive amount of appreciation to each of you, whether you're tuning in live, whether you're listening to the replay on the podcast. Thank you for choosing to be here with me and my special guest today. I've been looking forward to this conversation. Uh, we, we had an opportunity to reconnect in Tokyo in 2015. So we've stayed connected and, you know, we've just been kind of, you know, just shooting the breeze and, and, and just checking in on each other, see how life's going. And I'm really enthused to share his story with you here today. My guest in the huddle today is my good friend, Jay Leroy. How are you, Jay? Good, man. Thanks for having me. I'm flattered. You're making me blush over here. You can't tell, but no, I'm glad to be here, man. Thank you. I've been following uh, your podcasts and your channel for a bit now. It's been really fun seeing uh, a lot of the guys that I haven't seen in a long time and hearing their experiences. So cool. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, no worries. First and foremost, Jay, I want to start with a new way of, of kicking off the huddle. And I really want to take a moment just to send a massive amount of gratitude towards you. The reason I want to send it to you is when we caught up in Tokyo in 2015, I was going through a bit of a, a difficult period. And you just taking that time out of your busy schedule to take me out on the town for us to go to a Hezekiah, just, you know, have some great food, catch up with some drinks, really helped remind me about, you know, the beauty of life. And I just really want to thank you for being such a great friend and, and just being there when I needed it. So I, again, thank you so much, brother. I, I can't tell you how much that meant to me that night. I'm glad that that had such an impact. I love when people roll through, you know, I've been living in a couple of different places and when I ever get, I get the chance to catch up with someone I haven't seen in a long time, yeah. you know, I always want to get out and, and show them, you know, kind of how to unwind in the place that I've been for a while. Tokyo was one of the, one of the coolest places to live ever. So we had a really nice time that night and uh, <laughs> yeah, I hadn't seen you in how long, I think it was since football or even yeah. just crossing paths in London. So oh, I'm glad that was a good time, man. Yeah. I was a good host, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> you were a good host. I had a great time yeah. and I made it back to my hotel. So that was, all, it's all good. That's good. That's a success <laughs> then, right? Yeah. Cool. <laughs> so what I would love to know, Jay, again, like to keep it a little light, little, little bit of fun, really keep it light and easy is, again, you know, part of our community will know you just because we have come from a similar path. But for the people that don't know you, what is one thing about you that you would feel comfortable sharing? You know, something, maybe a quirk, maybe something about you, an interesting fact that maybe a lot of people don't know, but again, you would feel comfortable sharing. Uh, so I guess for the people who do know me, uh, you know, kind of on the outside, would, would say, you know, 
through sport, just playing a lot of sport and things like that. People saw me as, you know, a social guy and things like that. I think a lot of people didn't know that, like, I actually came from like a performing arts background. Like I went to a, to, you know, Lester B. Pearson school for the arts when I was younger. And I was like a really, I was really artist, art, artistic kid. You know, I like playing music. Uh, I was singing, like I was the nutcracker and like one of our, you know, assemblies and things like that when we were younger, one of our productions. Um, I don't think a lot of people know that there is a little bit of an artistic side to me that actually comes through in a lot of the things that I do and music and things like that. So um, I think that would be a surprise to some people who know me, of you know, bashing heads on the field or on the ice or on the, on the floor and lacrosse and things like that or racing in track. I don't think a lot of people would have been like, oh, you know, that guy, you know, played the violin and guitar and can sketch still life and things like that. Yeah. So that's one of the things that a lot of people would be surprised about, I think. Okay. I, I didn't know you went to Lester B. Pearson. So you thank go. you for sharing that. There you go. <laughs> so what I would love to know, Jay, is one of the things in the huddle, again, it's all about learning from high performers from the world of sport and coaching. And I'm curious, sport has obviously been an integral role. It's been a, a major part of your personal growth and self-development. You were an amazing you know, athlete growing up in high school, you're an amazing athlete in university, and you're still in that space now as a head of phys ed and phys ed, sort of head of phys ed and health. And what I would love to know is what role has sport played in your life? And what is, you know, one of the biggest lessons you've taken away from it on your journey? That's a loaded question because, you know, there are so many little things that come up, you know, as you look back at, you know, your life and reflect on all the many experiences that you've had athletically. Um, I think just the, the regiment that I had to, you know, I had to become an organized person. Uh, I was always athletic. I was always talented. I was always good at whatever I tried coming up through high school. It was in those last years of high school where I realized that, you know, you got to prepare. Um, I wasn't used to preparing. I didn't have great coaches up until those last couple of years in high school that taught me the value of being prepared and putting in a little bit of extra work. Uh, like I said, I was always will I was always able to just kind of show up and perform well. Uh, it wasn't until I started, you know, putting some hours in the gym, putting some hours into playbooks and things like that, where I actually started seeing that success happen. It was, you know, most of it uh, was through my speed physically. And that work came from actually committing to our track and field program. Uh, I used to run races because I was fast and beat kids and jump far because I could. It wasn't until I started really breaking down skills and, you know, putting in that time uh, you know, to practice that I started seeing that, that extra step, you know, I, I didn't realize I was going to be able to go to university for playing football. You know what I mean? I, I, I in my last year, I was like, okay, I'll take these OIC courses, see what I was doing. I wasn't sure, you know, I, I, I visited Waterloo. I was going to commit to Waterloo, um, until I had a really good talk with Larry at Western and I realized that the work that I had put in in those last couple of years was starting to pay off and people were noticing me. I didn't really understand that. I didn't know people were looking at me and wanted me in other places. Um, so yeah, I guess that would be it, you know, preparing, 
you know, failing to prepare is like preparing to fail. And that's what I use that a lot. And I know it's a cliche thing, but I use that with my kids all the time now, because that is the one thing, you know, the other thing is what, what, what is it, you know, the failure to prepare, what is it? Talent beats, what hard work beats talent when talent fails to work hard. Right. So all those lovely, you know, cliche things they put up on gym walls, you know, if you really uh, like live by them and commit to them, the difference is, is huge. So that would be the one thing that I think I took away from sport in general. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and again, what I'm hearing from you is that is the importance of preparation. And for those who don't know Jay, you are one of the best athletes that I think I've, I've had the pleasure of being around. And I mean, we've got, we've played with some great athletes, but I mean, you weren't only a great football player, right? You were a high level lacrosse player. You're a great hockey player, right? And you're great at track. So, I mean, it was a multi, it wasn't just, you weren't just a one trick pony. You were, you know, it was a multi-sport. Now I'm curious with the whole preparation piece, what was that moment? Do you remember when you sort of that aha moment where that light bulb kind of went on and go, yeah, you know what? I'm pretty good. Like I, I'm, you know, my natural gifts, talents, and abilities, you know, make it, you know, have allowed me to succeed. But for me to really get to that next level, you know, I, I got to focus more on the preparation. Like, was there a moment where the light bulb went on? Was it a coach or mentor? Like, how, how did that all happen? You know what, this is something that a lot of people know, but it was the biggest point for me. And it came through not not football, not hockey, it came through when I started realizing uh, how much I loved the game of lacrosse. Um, I played house league just for fun in the summer. I, I was done with soccer. Uh, I really loved contact sport. And I think a lot of people that I played against will know that I was a little bit of a hard nosed guy. Some people might have even called me a goon on the hockey uh, on the ice, but um, it was in lacrosse where I started to excel my speed and my grit on the floor and box lacrosse got uh, some eyes on me. And I think I remember my dad saying that, hey, when I was 16 years old, um, someone from Notre Dame field lacrosse was out looking for me and they had me tagged, you know, as an early committal to go down and play field on a scholarship. And I was like, what? What? You know, like that's, that was not even a thought, you know, uh, I didn't think sport was going to take me anywhere past having some really great friends and, you know, smashing heads with dudes, which was pretty fun. Uh, right then and there, I was like, what? I could go to the States on a scholarship for this game that I love to play. Um, that didn't end up, it didn't end up happening because I did end up actually committing to football more so, but that was the, that was the catalyst for like, okay, I got to start working on my stick. I got to start working on, you know, learning plays. I got to start working on getting my shot a little bit better, you know, my accuracy and things like that. And that actually, that year I did get drafted. Like, no, sorry. The next year I got drafted into the, the Ontario junior league when I, where I played for the Kitchener Waterloo Braves for a couple seasons. Um, and then when I knew that, when I, when I got drafted, I was like, wow, okay, so this is, this is it. And then th- that's when all those things started falling into place. That's when Larry started calling me. I started going for visits to Waterloo and other, and other universities, just realizing that. Um, but yeah, it was that kind of that call that my dad got from a, from a scout from, you know, the University of Notre Dame field lacrosse, which is a, an epic program um, that really made me realize, yeah, you could, you can choose 
you, you have a couple choices here. Um, family always said it's got to include school. So I stepped away from box in Kitchener because I didn't want to move away from home at 17. And I also did want to concentrate on my studies and keeping my marks up for, you know, the possibility of going to Western or even if I did get that call down south for, for field. So yeah, that was that one. <laughs> well, it's interesting hearing you share that because it's funny how sometimes we don't even recognize what our, our gifts, our talents and our abilities are, but it just takes one person just to acknowledge it, to let us know that, hey, I see, it's all, I see the greatness inside of you. Mm -hmm. and, and it's by doing that all of a sudden then our, our confidence kind of grows just because someone's like, oh, like it's almost like we, our eyes get wide open, right? We become aware and we get reminded of the truth. And this goes back to folks this comes back to the fundamental truth of great. Everyone has greatness inside of them. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like that, just that recognition, that one conversation from your dad, that recognition from Notre Dame completely just changed your perspective. Absolutely. I, and, and I think people who knew me around that time, I was probably getting into a little bit of the wrong friend group and things at that time as okay. well. So it totally changed my trajectory of what I was planning to do. I didn't really have a plan or I didn't know what I was going to do. I, like I said, I was just out there having fun with the guys. You know, I could score goals. I was a fast runner. I could catch a ball and things like that. You know, I could run away from guys. Um, but that's what it was for me until that point. I was like, okay, well, I got to get into the books here. You know, I failed a couple math classes. Like what, not because I couldn't do it. It's just because I didn't, I wasn't applying myself. So I was just like, okay, here we go. I'm going to start working out. I'm going to start speed training. I'm going to start getting in the books. And when I did, it was just like, why wasn't I doing this stuff? And it was because I, you know, the different influences and we go through that when you're teenagers, you know, a lot of things, you know, we make mistakes and you learn from those mistakes. It's not like the mistakes that you made as long as you don't make them again. Right. So learning from that and, and having that push from someone acknowledging me, like you said, just really pushed me to one, one, one side, which was the best thing that ever happened to me. So. Mm. And you bring up an interesting point too, just on the importance of environment, right? Like who we surround ourselves with, right? And, and I, I love that analogy of you are the sum of the five people you hang around. You know, if you hang around, you know, turkeys, you're going to stay on the ground. But if you want to soar, you know, I'll go back to what Coach Haley, right? If you want to soar with the Eagles, right? You better, you know, you, you got to raise up. Mm -hmm. so, so it's interesting there how you just talked about, you know, make it having a greater vision for your life all of a sudden got you to start asking different questions started getting you to form new habits around how you approach school who you hung around the type of preparation you're putting into your sports and and everything in your life changed absolutely absolutely and that kicked me kicked me it kick started me into my university career where i was just i was getting grades that i never even knew i could get so yeah. i was just super happy um I remember that first year was a bit of a struggle. I remember just sitting with Fantuz and just we're like, how do we do this? Like, we're supposed to be at meetings. We're supposed to have like a two hour practice later on, but we're also supposed to have classes in between there and find time to study. And, you know, I'm, I thank goodness I, I didn't stay on campus. I stayed at home for that first year and it would made a difference. It made a difference. I needed that time to get my stuff together you know, learn how to study, learn how to manage my own time, get to practices on time. You know, I love when Larry used to say, he's like, you, you know, you're not on time. Being on time is 15 minutes early. And that's still, 
to this day, like that's how I run my day, day to day. Me and my wife butt heads a little bit about that, but she's uh, <laughs> she's from South America and things move a little bit slower. Yeah, a little bit. But um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that first year was uh, what set the groundwork for the rest of it. So. Okay. So after you were done a successful university career of, you know, being a student athlete, you took sort of an unconventional path. And that is one thing I've always been inspired by watching you. And, and I think that that when we reconnected a few years ago, even before that trip in 2015, I think that that was the first message. I'm, I, I was just always I was just very inspired by watching you live life on your terms, by defining greatness on your terms and just seeing all these beautiful pictures of the places you have traveled. So after university, you decide, okay, I'm going to go to a different path. You know, I'm going to go to school in Australia. And, and then it took you, you know, to Southeast Asia. And, and I'm curious, what sort of prompted you to take the road less traveled as cliche as that is? Yeah. So in that, the, I, 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 did play I played my full eligibility yeah. five years I finished a degree in three those last two years I, I, I was definitely coming back for a fourth mm-hmm. um in that fifth year in that summer I really had to make some decisions I wasn't sure I was actually maybe gonna go off to Australia in that fifth year and not finish until I really had a really good sit down with Larry he pulled me into Tampa's Hall there and we had a chat and he's like look, we need you to come back. We need you to be a mentor to the team. We have one more really solid year here. We got a great quarterback. Uh, you know, we need that. We need your position. And, and again, another acknowledgement, because there was a couple of years where I was like, you know, I was the third, second, third, fourth receiver, you know, punt return. And, you know, it's kind of a little bit of Swiss army receiver slash specialist for a while because we did have some great talent come through those years. I can't believe we didn't win more championships, but um you know, it's all about how that team gels. Uh, anyway, back to what I was saying. Uh, so he did convince me to come back. Like I wasn't, so I took a summer course to come back in that fifth year. And in that last year, I realized that I did have another choice at that time. I was like, I could probably still do this at the next level if I did commit hundred percent. Even by that time, I still hadn't a hundred percent committed to football. And a lot of people would be surprised at that. I was still playing summers of lacrosse and I actually had to strike a deal with Larry and Nigel about that. It's like, you can't fight in the summer because you need your hands. I was like, I don't, don't worry. I've been beat up a couple of times in that game, man. I'm not going to be fighting, but um, you know, I used the off season and summers to play lacrosse as my training. And I think that was a real big help to me, but it also, you know, it also kind of kept me in between both sports. So when I finished I realized maybe I could keep training and go and try out for the draft and things like that. I didn't, I, I didn't really have everybody knocking down my door looking for me, but I, I knew if I, you know, trained one summer, I could probably go and have a, have a go at it. Or, you know, also within those summers, I was coaching with the London, the four city Thunderbirds, which is a team of summer league that I played with when I was coming up. And uh, a couple of the guys, we, we used our summers that way. And I just had fallen in love with coaching and passing the knowledge that I have on to these young guys and watching coachable athletes just excel and reach their potentials. And, you know, one day I just, I was out there again on the field and I was helping one of the new receivers just, you know, drop a shoulder into a cut, drop your head. And I realized that these guys were going to be better than me 
and that I could help them. And in that last year, I just started being like, nah, okay, this is it. I like this too much. You know, I want to go, I want to have an impact on kids and see what, see what that impact and where it takes them. So um, I had missed the applications for Althaus because a lot of people were just like, man, you know, like you have connections here at Western, you could go. And I had missed that application. I didn't want to sit out a year and do nothing. So I looked around and I was like, okay, I've always wanted to go to Australia. Me and my grandma, rest in peace, um, always talked about going to Australia. And I just loved, you know, the animals and just the mysterious things about Oz, you know. So I went and I researched some schools there. A lot of people were going to the Gold Coast of Griffith. And I was like, I don't really want to go live in a big city. So I chose this really great school called Southern Cross University. And it's in like, I call it real Australia in the northern rivers of New South Wales in a small town. Uh, you know, they call it the Northern Rivers, where all the, the rivers meet. And it's more of like a farming community. So when I started doing my research there, I applied and I got accepted. And I was just like, I was pumped. I didn't have any money at the time. So I went and worked my butt off for uh, another summer, saved up money, took a loan out, and I just packed my bags up and went. And the best decision I ever made. Best decision. Had some relationships that were tough to leave. Um, but once I got there, it was just, I knew that I had made the right decision. It was sad, you know, I was like, okay, there's always going to be kind of like a coulda, woulda, shoulda thing for football and lacrosse. Like I, I look back at some of the guys who have really excelled and I go, oh man, it was great playing side by side with those guys. I maybe could have done that, but I wouldn't give up the decision that I made for the world for anything. It's brought me to where I am now. It's brought me my beautiful family, all the experiences that I've had. So, you know, that, that fork in the road, you know, left or right. There's not a wrong decision, I don't think. I don't think the other would have been wrong, right? But I don't look back and regret anything that I've done, so. And it's interesting, like, as you do that picture at the end, right, this fork in the road, mm -hmm. and it sounds like that, you know, whatever you want to call it, your why, your purpose, mm -hmm. like you just recognize that really coaching and helping mentor and guide young people was really what you felt it was like a calling like it was just like I don't know why is, is that fair to say absolutely I felt like I just started feeling that there was more to me to Jay than a dude who runs fast and catches balls and hits people you know what I mean I just that because that's where I felt like I was getting into I was like I'm falling into this really cooker cookie cutter mold where there's just more to me that's not being, you know, sparked. Something in me is not being fulfilled. And this is, this is pulling me towards there. Um, and yeah, like I said, it was the right decision. Absolutely. I was, I was, uh, I wouldn't say born to do it, but you know, it was, it was my calling absolutely to uh, be in the classroom, to be with kids, to just be, you know, creative about, you know, finding how people can reach their potentials. Um, that's what fascinated me. And then obviously, you know, the travel and just realizing that the perspective of different cultures and different places, you like, you can apply that to everyday stuff. So just seeing people in all sorts of different situations, um, like I said, puts a, puts a perspective that you can't get any other way. You can read all the books in the world, but until you get your feet on the ground somewhere different and really, you know, jump into another culture and other people's shoes, it's just so fulfilling. So yeah. You know, we could have traveled a lot with sport, I'm sure, but you don't get to 
do those extra things. You don't get to sit beside, you know, 80 year old Japanese, um, <laughs> you know, um, temple uh, monks and things like that and just, and, and just have a conversation or like walk to the, you know, watch a sunrise in Cambodia off the top of a mountain. Like it's, it, you, those are things you don't get from, you know, traveling and playing sport. And I love that you share that, Jay. And, and really what came up for me as you shared that was we're sort of led to believe at times that you can just gather more information, right? And, and that conscious mm -hmm. mind, right? We're just store information and you can read all the books. And I think travel is a great example of that. Like you can read all the books, you can look at all the amazing vacations you want on the internet. But like you said, until you actually book the plane ticket, get your feet down on the ground and start moving around and start exploring there. You're, you're not going to get a sense of what that true culture is right about mm -hmm. of fully immersing yourself in the experience. Absolutely. Absolutely. That immersion factor is, is just, it's priceless. It's priceless. So I'm curious. So growing up, right, obviously in, in London and then going to the other side of the world, what has that experience been like, you know, taking a risk, saying, as we were talking about before he came on, embracing that improv rule of saying yes and to, to new experiences. What has been, you know, something that just has resonated with you? Like, what has it been like going to another part of the world and just completely shifting everything? Like just totally immersing yourself somewhere new, somewhere different. I have to say it's like it's this weird and you know backpackers and travelers will will agree it's this weird like addiction you do it once and just like like living in Australia and waking up and having like a kookaburra and like a water dragon outside my door looking out on palm trees looking out onto a, a, a valley with you know tropical birds flying around little lorikeets coming up saying hello like a little Disney movie you know yeah. what I mean like just waking up in different places like that and realizing that your day is going to be so different mm -hmm. today is going to be so different even though you know obviously I got to go to my schedule classes and things like that but like I'm going to jump in my little car that I bought you know that I share with my buddies and I live in a big shared house up on a hill in the, in like the subtropic rainforest um, you know I'm going to meet people today that I never would have you know, those, the school that I went to had uh, an exchange program with DePaul in the, in the States, which I had no idea. So I was going to school with kids from the States, from undergrads from Australia, you know, exchange students from Japan, and then a bunch of these, you know, jockey Canadian dudes. I'm not sure. Do you remember a, a guy called Ashley Squire Smith? Do you remember Ash? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, we were in the same program there, and I didn't even know until I got there. <laughs> which was hilarious and we ended up getting together on the first day and we went out and find a, found a house together with a, a couple other Canadian guys so that right there was just something like what you just went to Australia and you didn't have a house I was like no I didn't have my backpack <laughs> and I knew I was enrolled in school and they were like we don't have any room left because all the exchange students took all the campus housing so here's a list of houses go out and look I was like I don't have a car well here's a guy who'll sell you a car for cheap so we're like okay so we grabbed a car and went cruising looking for houses the first day of of school about just you know things like that looking back on that like who would sign up for that you know who, there's a lot of people who wouldn't just go okay move to australia i don't have a place to stay mm -hmm. so 
Yeah, I don't even know. I went off on a little tangent there. Sorry. That's going to be, a, you're going you're gonna to experience a bit of that. I get caught in my own head. Oh, that's all. That's, <laughs> it's all good. Um, it, it was funny. Like, as you were sharing that, I was just thinking that would take a lot of focused effort for me to go, you know, to another and not have things booked, which again, would be a great growth mm. experience. And it actually reminded me of when I got to Japan, because I remember asking, where should I stay? Oh, right. told me yes. to stay in Asakusa. And yeah. I get there and I, our flight from Hong Kong just got in late. And I remember I caught the last train out there and I get there, yeah. don't speak the language. It's completely pitch black. And There's I have no idea. Late at I, night. Oh, I know, man, I have no idea. And mm. I'm like, okay, I'm like, look in there. I'm like, okay, you can do one of two things. You can call Jay, find out where the frick you are or two and <laughs> i just have yeah and just go yeah. with it and then i just happen to find two police officers and go and i guess why i'm sharing that is just it made me realize that that situation i found has has really helped as we've traveled beyond because i've realized i i chose to just dump myself in there not knowing the language completely there but just even asking those police officers for some direction was so good because it like it just reminded me that you always have the ability to figure it out if you, but you got to take some action and and you got to be willing to get uncomfortable yeah you got you can plan things to a certain point but then you got to kind of let go because that's when the best things start to happen yeah. that's when you start you know getting those experiences that would have been great <laughs> i know exactly <laughs> talking about the, the late night trains in tokyo man if you miss those you're kind of stranded wherever you are and not a lot of people especially especially then um there's not a lot of English in Tokyo. People don't really realize that it is a world city, but not a lot of English. So good thing you found those two police guys. <laughs> Basics. Yeah. It's a great area to stay though, hey? Around yeah. the temple there, Sensoji. I love that. It's still one of my favorite places in the world. Yeah, no, definitely somewhere where Alicia and I have talked about. We definitely want to go back there and travel as a family. Just there's something about Japan that I don't know what it is. Out of all the places I've been, to in the world there's just something that i feel just keeps calling me back i don't know what people it is. ask me all the time what's your favorite place i i'm really sometimes i kick myself for leaving but again you know i took another step but it's like it's like walking into history but also the future like mm -hmm. it's just so exciting all the time especially in tokyo like there's just always something so cool and interesting happening like in that area, the reason I had to stay there is because that Sensoji temple is one of the oldest temples in Japan and they have the Matsuri every year where they walk the shrines down the street all day and the guys carry the shrines on their shoulders and things like that. And then they have like a salsa festival there. You know what I mean? It, it, it's, it's just such a great mix. I, I love my time there. And I'm glad that you guys enjoyed it as well. And we got to kind of link up there. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to go back. I, I keep talking to my wife about it. And uh, unfortunately, due to COVID, we had I had like a perfect week uh, planned in Tokyo, but we had to cancel everything because it was right that mar last March, I think, when everything mm -hmm. kind of had to shut down. But I promised her before we leave Asia, we'll go and I'll take her for a walk through what the five years in Tokyo were like for me. So being from the West and, and, and spending a lot of time in the Far East, you know, I, I, I love the picture that I put up for anyone that saw the advertiser. I love the picture of you because, you know, you get, you're holding the football, the lacrosse, and I love it just because that, you know, again, that big smile, that, that great energy, it just, 
that, that just so summarizes you. Have you been able to introduce some of, you know, Western culture over there? Like, is that something, does that picture, like, are you introducing things like lacrosse, American football? Are you, are you bringing those ideas to the, the young people that you're teaching over there? Yeah, absolutely. So that was one of the first things that I did when I got to, to I worked at a school called K International School. It's a, it's a full IB school. And, you know, I had, to, I had to take a while to like get into the PYP because I hadn't had any PYP experience at that time. I started in the PYP in the primary school years program for people who don't know what that is. And then worked my way into the middle, uh, middle years program. But I was essentially like a K to, to grade six with a grade nine class teacher. And I immediately put in a lacrosse and hockey unit. And uh, we ordered all like the, the soft cross uh, equipment and yeah. it blew up. They loved it. And I was loving life, man. They're all like, this is so great. You know, we, we dove into, you know, it's, it's called the creator's game, you know, because I played with a lot of guys who made sure that I knew what that game meant when you played it, because it's not just, that's what also I fell in love with lacrosse because it's not just a, another game, mm-hmm. you know, that has such historical implications when you play it and if you get to sit down and talk to anyone about the actual history of where lacrosse came from and how it became what it is today it's just so interesting Mm -hmm. um so i gave them the roots of that and they just you know they just hooked hook line and sinker right away lacrosse craze for five years at that school in tokyo and it actually ended up giving me some uh, contacts with a local box lacrosse league there was uh some japanese guys there that got together and played like none of the, I think one guy had played in the States and he brought his love of it over and I went and they, we started a couple blocks across um, teams and just scrimmaged and things like that. And they were, they were pretty good too. Mm-hmm. So that was another little thing, you know, finding a, a little community outside of the school, these little this group of lacrosse guys, university students who wanted to learn more. So I got to go out and throw the ball around with them every once in a while, but yeah, the, the lacrosse and hockey unit was was really cool to bring bring to Japan. <laughs> I just learned something about you, and and it just made me aware of one of the characteristics of every high performer, right? Every high performer, they're coachable, they're open minded, right? And and that's one thing that I think people don't realize is that when you're open to new ideas, when you're open to growth and open to learning from people, you you just it. it it forces you to level up in a good way. And you have this beautiful ability, brother, to, as, as I just think of Coach Taylor, right? Like paying homage, right? Like tradition of taking things that, you know, the old way of doing things and, and, and respecting it, but then also being so open-minded that there are opportunities to grow and innovate. Mm-hmm. And, and why that came up is I heard how you describe why you love Japan. It is a beautiful uh, mix of old, and new. Same with lacrosse. You talked about it. it's paying homage to the roots and going here. So I'm curious, is that something that you've, has always been a part of you? Is that something that someone taught you? Like that's, that's, that that's unique. something, yeah, that's something that came that I've developed, honestly. Um, I think, you know, if I really do look back to some of the sporting uh, before I took off on my little adventure, um, I probably could pinpoint a couple times. I think, you know, PJ, PJ was a great receivers coach for, for us. And he was one of the first coaches that really taught me, you know, this is how I did it when I was in university. 
And the way that you just did it there was like better because of this. And this is why, like that step was really good because that's what I coached you to do, but you actually like added your own spin to it. You know what I mean? Or this, you know, this whip route, we used to call it a whip route, but the way that you pivoted out of it is actually better because you reacted to the defender rather than just doing the thing I told you to do. And when I started realizing that, okay, you know, you can coach kids to do things, but you know, like those routes are not always written in, in the sand, right? You got to be able to make decisions on the fly. So you take the old things that you've learned and you got to adapt them to every situation. That's how I approach teaching as well. And I think I've become, I've had more experiences with that, that concept through teaching because, you know, we always say as teachers, you know, we're preparing kids for not the world that they're living in now. We're preparing them for the world that they're going to, they're going to be in. You know, we can't teach the kids what only what we know, because that's not going to help them at all, because they're not going to be prepared for, you know, how fast this world is developing. And may it be math, you know, English, science, history, all that stuff is, is changing every day. So, you know, again, being prepared and doing, you know, yearly, I take some sort of professional development just to stay on top and, and, you know, see what's going on out there, see what people are doing that's new and adapt to things that I know are right. You know, you need a great base, you need a foundation, you need that scaffold. And then just to, you know, keep building on, on that. So the thing that that's what I enjoy about teaching and, you know, moving to different places and teaching a lot of people, you know, will stay at one school and teach their entire career there. I'm not sure that I'd be able to do it. I'm not sure. I think five years is probably my max mm-hmm. at the moment. You know, then I get the itch to go and, and, and learn from new people and, you know, add my spice to their, you know, to their soup, I call it, you know, and, yeah. and, and see how I can help make things better. And it's not really the pursuit of, you know, perfection or anything like that. It's mm-hmm. just the process of, of, of making things more efficient and, you know, allowing kids to add their own things to the mix. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, the, the teaching journey is what really developed that in me. Um, I probably say the same things over and over, but that, that, that's the basis of it. Yeah. You bring up a great point. You know, what I heard from you is there's, it's so funny. You work with many young people and it's really that, that programming, that conditioning, that what, that we've been sort of led to believe that safety and comfort and always doing things the same old, same old, same old is, is, you know, good, but really it's when you embrace risk-taking and mm-hmm. when you embrace discomfort and learning that that is the only way to get to your next level of greatness that mm-hmm. it, I find that it's even just simplifying it. It's just sort of disciplining your mind to say, you know what, when I give you a command, you're going to go do some uncomfortable things. And when you can push yourself to do that, your body to do it, it's just, it, it's, it's like a sprint, right? If you can push yeah. yourself to go that extra yard, mm-hmm. it, it's just, you give you, you're, you're, you're keeping integrity with your word. You're keeping promises that you make to yourself. And that's mm-hmm. hallmark of yeah. any successful and highly effective person. Yeah. It's like a little thing I do with my kids when I warm them up, you know what I mean? I say, okay, we're going to run from this line to this line. You got to touch the line. Mm-hmm. I don't care how fast you are. I don't care how slow you are. I don't care how you get there, but touch the line, right? If you don't touch the line, then you haven't even taken that first step towards seeing what is the possibility, right? I'm asking you to touch the line. Go touch the line. I don't, like 
It doesn't matter how fast, how slow, how you do it. We're going to go from here to here. And the only thing that I need you to do is touch that line and get back there. You'd be, well, you've, you've seen this probably before. How many kids don't touch the line? What have they just done in their, in their minds? It's so simple. It's just a simple thing, but what have they just done in their own minds? They've cut a corner, they've come up short and they're okay with it. So just that little fundamental thing, that small little lesson you can teach kids. I just say, remember, touch the line, touch the line, touch the line in math class, you know, touch the line in science, touch the line when you're playing, you know, in the fourth quarter, you know, touch the line, finish what you're meant to do. You will be so surprised at what comes after that. Right. You know, then you got kids like just bombing to the half and back, you know, touching the line, getting faster. Then I say, okay, I'm going to teach you guys some different movements. We're going to touch the line doing this. I don't know. That's too hard. No, it's not. Just go and touch the line. I don't care what it looks like or how you do it. Mm -hmm. Make a mistake. We'll figure it out. I'll help you get better, but make sure you touch that line. Right. It's just those little, I think there's a couple memes and things like that on the internet (laughs) of touch the line. You know, this is the difference, the circle of the line, not touching, right. This is the difference between a win and a loss. So it's, it's so true. Those basic things. And, and, and watching kids just go like, whoa, no way that just worked. It's so fun. Like every day, just watching kids realize their potential. It's amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I love the simplicity of, of just that analogy and, th- and that, you know, what speaks volumes about who you are an educator. This is where I firmly believe that, you know, educators, coaches, you know, great teachers are such effective communicators because you just painted such a beautiful picture right there, just by you touching the line, you're teaching them about discipline. You are teaching critical thinking in the fact of just touch the line, like just try the movement. We'll try. And, and it's just, you know, you're just getting them to don't figure out, like, just, just do it. Right. And just use your thinking. doesn't matter. And you're getting them to sort of connect to their body and embrace risk taking like so many valuable, mm-hmm. simple life lessons that will serve them well, you know, even when they leave your, your, your gym right so it's, it's yeah so and the, and the thing that i like to pride myself on now is just like i like to teach conceptually you know i don't really like to teach i don't have like skill assessments you know what i mean like i it, it, there's never any class where i put like you have to be able to hit the ball you know what i mean we talk about conceptual things it's like that concept and that lesson they're going to be able to to apply it to their whole you know educational experience like you know, if you have a due date, you know what I mean? And the line or the due date is the Monday, right? And you don't touch, you don't make that. Okay, we've got to learn from that. Don't do it again, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't matter how you get there. If you did it the night before that time, let's talk about how that went for you. How did that feel, right? It's like, if you just walked half the court and then sprinted the last little bit, how did that feel? And what did you see everybody else doing? And how did that feel when, you know, you walked back to the line? Right. How did that feel when you, you know, crammed the night before and what were those results like? What are you going to do different next time? You know, that whole like inquiry cycle of like, let's look back and reflect. It doesn't matter how well you did that time. And that's the thing that's really tough for route learners in Asia. And this is why I really like breaking that mold (laughs) is that they need to get the right answer and it doesn't matter. Once that test's done, it could be out the window. 
But the way that we teach at the school, and that's why I really enjoy and embrace the IB, the International Baccalaureate, the PYP, MYP model is that the inquiry process is just so much more powerful than that route learning memorization stuff. I wish that I had had it because mm -hmm. it's the way my brain works. It's the way it's always worked. But the way that I was taught was never really that. So that's why I, I look back and I've understood why I struggled so much in the later years of school and how I learned to learn in university and then how I learned to teach and now how I learned to teach learners, yeah. right? So I'm not teaching kids how to be fast or shoot basketballs. I'm teaching them how to learn. So mm -hmm. I think that's a, a really important thing that a lot of people who are outside the educational field don't really understand and how complicated and difficult that can be sometimes and to make it fun, right? To give kids agency and accountability for themselves. So that's the fascinating thing that I love about te teaching. A lot of people look at me like I'm a PE teacher, but I've, I, I, I look at myself as a teacher first who teaches PE, right? So there's a lot of people like, oh, who, who get called coach all day long. I'm not really a big fan of that. Okay. Of course I coach. When I'm out coaching on the floor, that's great. But when I'm teaching, I'm doing a vastly different process. Yeah. You know, when you're coaching, you've got a group of kids who want to be there and want to get better at the thing that you're doing. When you're teaching, you have to hit just such a variety of learning styles, personalities, and things like that. And so the conceptual model is just so much more powerful. Mm -hmm. in reaching all those that 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 group of kids anyway teachers will will hit on that stuff but for yeah. people who are outside the education field it is it's it's a, a little bit of a peek inside what we do well and again it, it, you bring up the interesting point and you know i think back to what the meaning of you know where the word education came from right and you don't need to be a come from education background to go but it, education comes from the greek word educo and, and really education to me, and, I, and again, I know that you would probably agree, is that it's not teaching people what they don't know, it's teaching them to behave like they're not already doing, right? It's like teaching them to behave in a certain way so they can get the results that they want, right? To, to get to that next level, to push them, like you talked about, to their potential. So I love that, I just love hearing other educators that, that embrace that model too. Yeah, and just like I like that the modern educational model is all about choice for kids. Like, I never got a choice of what I wanted to learn. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. If I did, it would have been. I mean, like early public school, you get to choose what your your ISP, you know, your indiv yeah. your individual project or whatever is going to be on. But after that, it's kind of like, hey, you got to do this to get these marks. And at least it was for me. I know that now in schools, it's just really great to see kids be able to choose. Like, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the personal project that comes up in grade 10 okay. for the IB of the MYP. These kids get to choose these wonderful things and they, and they are studying and working towards a, a goal in all of their subjects, something that they've chosen that, you know, they have is relevant to them. Uh, and so they just have such an attachment to it. And it's, it's, I don't know, it's, it's awesome to see where education has gone from what it was. It's amazing what happens and, and folks, if you take anything from this, it's amazing what happens, right? And, and I go back to this definition of success. Success is the pursuit, right? It's a progressive realization of a worthy idea, worthy goal. And, and a worthy, what I mean by worthy idea, worthy goal is it's got to be meaningful to you. And, and I love, and just listen to what Jay's talking about, is when you truly identify something that's meaningful to you, something you really, really want, it's amazing just the level of energy and enthusiasm 
And it doesn't matter whether you're four, you're 14, you're 44, you're 84. That is a special, that is a special feeling when you connect to that. Yeah. And that's where you, you, you talk, you get those people, you talk to them, you're like, are you going to work today? And they're like, well, yeah, if you want to call it that, you know, I don't, <laughs> I don't really go to work. Like it's not really work for me. It's fun. Like I love designing, you know, learning experiences through sport and movement that tie to like history. You know what I mean? Like I did, I did a, a unit with a guy, uh, this guy kind of goes back to what we talked about before, but when I, when I moved from uh, Tokyo to, to Seoul and was working at a school, I had a history teacher, awesome history teacher, still a buddy of mine, Joe Gasner. Uh, shout out Joe. Uh, if he's listening, I don't think he will be, but we'll see. I'll, I'll show him this. Um, he was doing uh, an, a Mesoamerican history lesson. I was like, dude, I have a couple free weeks here. Let's dig deep into what the ancient games were like in Mesoamerica. So we I learned about poke to poke, like an ancient hip bumping game that they played in the Mayan, mm -hmm. you know, in the Mayan temples and stuff. And we got together and I just threw a bunch of stuff that I had together and we started playing it. And we were playing, yeah. Oh, it was it's great, man. It's it's, <laughs> it's amazing what you can do with kids, you know, who what Korean kid thought he was going to show up to a private school <laughs> one day and be like playing an ancient Mesoamerican game and that yeah. that went towards credit to his history class you know what yeah. i mean that's yeah. the that's the fun stuff that you can do now so good I yeah just, yeah no i love it and i remember watching that when we were on a vacation we went to this um dinner theater alicia and i and I remember yeah. seeing that game where they recreated it i remember yeah. videotaping it showing to my geography and phys ed class and they were like yeah. and the, yes amazing they, they loved so it hard to play it's yeah. so hard to play. The, the guys were soccer crazy at our school, so they were yeah. pretty, actually pretty skilled with it, and they just dove right in, man. Yeah. It's very cool. Mm -hmm. So what I would love to do, Jay, is, is ask you one final question. So oh, time flies, I, 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 I hear you. Again, it's just, you know, that's the beauty when you connect with like-minded people, right? Time just flies. So I would love to know, you know, this last year, depending on when people are watching this or listening to this, it's 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 been interesting, right, to say the least. And there are people that are really struggling. Now, things are opening back up, which is great. But, you know, maybe someone is struggling with their health. Maybe they've had a relationship breakdown. Maybe their finances are, are, are really in disarray. Maybe they've lost their job. Maybe just life has, has knocked them down a few times over the last year. What is one piece of advice that you could give them just so that they could get back on their feet, they could take action and start creating some positive momentum and get them on back on their path, on their journey to greatness? Yeah, is, I mean, what a year for mental health. We've actually been really talking about that at the school. Um, you know, we, we, we put our professional um, um, goals aside this year, actually. And uh, we really focused on mental health of the students. The one big thing that I've heard, uh, a lot of people don't know this, but I, I studied a little bit of addiction and, and things like that in psychology and university. And there's one thing that I really took away from it when I found myself getting into a little bit of a negative feedback loop, you know, you're just like in that spiral where just nothing seems to be going. It's just, you gotta find one little thing every day that is a positive thing or go chase that one little positive. I think nowadays that we, I think we're getting used to just getting things so fast. And, you know, if we don't reach our goal immediately, then we're just disappointed. And, and I think just finding, it doesn't happen right away. 
you know, nothing happens, especially, you know, treatment of depression and coming out of those things. It's never going to happen right away. You got to find those little wins every day and just keep those. Um, I had a really good chat with my best man, my, my buddy Drew, the other day. We talked about how the brain wires itself. You know, if we, you know, create these neural pathways, it's just like practicing something. If you practice negative thinking, you're going to get very good at thinking negatively. And so just climbing slowly out of that hole, it's not like jumping out of a well, you know what I mean? You can't do it. You got to take it step by step. Find those little things every, every day that make you happy. Um, I was so lucky to have like one of the coolest experiences through this this year. And I was talking about that with my sister-in-law um, yesterday was, um, you know, thank God for my son this year. You know, we didn't have a chance to, you know, get in our own heads or, you know, have anything because we had to be there for this little guy that we brought into the world. Because if you don't know, I had a son through this whole pandemic in Korea. And actually just last week, he's just met his family. So, um, you know, we went through our own things, just like everybody, our own problems. But we had to look every day and, you know, what was the one good thing? We were lucky that we had that little dude to, you know, put up in front of us and you make a funny face or, you know, change a poopy diaper or, you know, pee, pee in my face. <laughs> yeah. You no, know, maybe not the most positive things, but yeah, I guess bottom line. So I stopped rambling on is uh, just find those little positives, celebrate those little wins and they'll just, they'll, 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 they'll inflate every day. And you'll start creating those little neural pathways in your brain to practice thinking positively. And by the, by the end of it, you'll just, you'll, You'll be amazed at the reflection that you have and say, how did I even think that way before? You know, glass half full, half empty, I guess, is the simple way to put it, right? Yeah, and I love your point. It reminds you of, you know, that Napoleon Hill, it takes no more effort to aim high in life than it is to sort of accept mediocrity, right? And, and hey, it's easier said than done, but when... You know, as you were talking about, when you aim to set that bar high, you know, in, in other words, it just, it, it's going to pull you, right? It's going to force you to level up in a good way. And, you know, you'll be better for it, right? You'll feel better, most importantly. And, and that's so We important. teach kids to make realistic goals. Like, mm -hmm. you really got to look at what you're asking yourself to do and know, mm -hmm. if, is that achievable? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like simple, like teacher things, smart goal. It's a simple way. If you're not used to setting goals in a, in a structured way, try a smart goal, Google it. You know, I'm not going to go through a, <laughs> a lesson here today, but like achievable, yeah. you know, goals mm -hmm. are important because if it's something that's unachievable, again, you're just going to disappoint yourself and then you're going to continue with those kind of disappointing experiences and negative thoughts. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah. Uh, first and foremost, Jay, I really wanted to just take a moment just to acknowledge you. I, I want to acknowledge you for the man you are for the husband you are, the dad you are, for, you know, the son, the, the educator, the teacher, the coach, and, and most importantly, for the great human being you are. Um, one of the things that I, I've always been inspired by is just your love of life, right? And, and I, I just, you know, I, I'm glad that you shared about your son. I, I just, I remember seeing this video of you playing with him in the pool, and you could just see that, like, your love for him, the, your love of life, is, is it's inspiring. It reminds me at times about what life is really about. So I just want to thank you for that. It's amazing what uh, perspective 
changes when that little guy pops out, little girl. I'm sure you know that as well. Mm-hmm. It's life changing. Mm-hmm. You know, everything changes that moment. And uh, I'm loving every second of it. Mm-hmm. I was like, I think I was meant to do, meant to do this. So yeah. Hey, man, I want to say thank you. You know, you're very inspiring. Uh, the fact that you, you know, you've taken this leap towards what you're doing. I've been watching uh, your chats with people. It's really cool to hear from guys I haven't heard from in a long time. And all the messages that are coming through these talks are, are awesome for all the people who, uh, who are listening. You know, I think it's a great thing you're doing. And I'm glad that you took the leap of faith. And just went for it. Thanks, brother. So I'm so I'm curious how how can people connect with you? Maybe some of our old teammates are seeing that and like I haven't talked to Jay in a while. Maybe someone just you know looks at and just loves your just the way you approach life. What what's the best way people can connect with you? I think that the Instagram is what I've got on most. I, okay. I have a fan I have a phantom Facebook page that if you look on Facebook, it's just an account that I created because I had a bunch of kids okay. trying to <laughs> to look me up. So Facebook's probably not going to work for other for okay. people who I haven't spoke with in a while, but yeah. instead, I think you put it on the yeah. title page there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, at J. Leroy Brown. Okay. People are wondering what Brown is just kind of a funny thing. J. Leroy has taken. So <laughs> yeah, hit me up on there because I'm, I'm quite active on there these days. And I'm also on LinkedIn. I can't remember exactly what my name is yeah. on LinkedIn, um, but I'm active professionally on there. I yeah. do a lot of sharing for the, you know, the IB program, the MYP and physical education so cool yeah if you want to hit me up go for it it was actually it was really cool i heard from a bunch of people just for me posting and me reposting that uh that title slide that you mm-hmm. made so mm-hmm. here's the little guy here <laughs> well i'll be sure to share all that in the description there brother and i'll, I'll make life easy for everyone that because i know again again great conversation hey that that's one of the best parts of why i love these conversations because I, I get to learn stuff and, and get, you know, I've taken so much away from you. So thank you again for, for making time, especially on your summer break to, to be able to come on and share your journey with us. What a great way to start the day, man. It's been a little reflection for myself as well. You know, it's a good thing to do every once in a while, think back. And I appreciate you for acknowledging me as one of the themes that we talked about in earlier, you know, and, and so people acknowledge kind of the, the things that you're doing. It does, it takes you to a, another step, you know, that self-affirmation, you know, I'm doing things right. And some people are noticing because, you know, sometimes if you don't get that, sometimes you can feel like, all right, am I doing things right? Am I still doing things well? So everybody gets there, but it's really nice to to hear these things coming from you. It's been awesome to be able to share some of the things that I've experienced. So I really appreciate it, man. Thanks a lot. Hey, for sure. So folks, again, for those tuning in live, we are going to double header it up. So I'll be back in an hour. Got another conversation today. Going to try out the double header. But uh, again, if, if anything come, came up, you know, I'd love to hear. I'm sure Jay would love to hear what resonated with you. And other than that, I will see you next time in the huddle. Have a great day, everyone.